This is Hitting the Mark. Conversations with founders about the intersection of brand clarity and startup success. With your host, brand strategist and author, Fabian Geierhalter. Shit in, shit out. If you create a shitty brand and you have shitty results, um, you know, don't expect to have amazing results when you didn't put in the work to create a beautiful ex- branded experience. This was Joe Spector, who wholeheartedly believes in the immense power of branding, when done right and from the get-go. And he would know as he co-founded HIMS, the D2C prescription and over-the-counter drugs brand that started off by selling erectile dysfunction and hair loss treatments and has since exploded into a $1.6 billion public company together with the HERS brand. Moving into pet telemedicine with his new brand Dutch actually does not seem too far-fetched. We talk all about his new brand, all things branding, and Cho shares his story of going from being a refugee immigrant to ringing the New York Stock Exchange bell. Yep, this is an episode not to miss, so buckle up. But before we dive in, I'd like to thank the latest supporter of the show, Shel Plevier, who joined my mentorship circle over at patreon.com slash hitting the mark. Thanks for coming on board, Shell. And now, without further ado, over to a really inspiring conversation with Joe. Welcome to Hitting the Mark, Joe. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Oh, I'm I'm so excited to have you uh, already. I know that this is going to be a, a really exciting conversation. So, just to give a little bit of background to our to our listeners, you co-founded Hims, the D 2 C prescription and over-the-counter drugs brand that started off by selling erectile dysfunction and hair loss treatments, and has since exploded into, I'm sure it's more than that now, but a $1.6 billion public company um, together with the Hearst brand. Moving from from that uh, company, that brand, um, into a pet telemedicine platform, does actually not seem too far-fetched. How did you, <laughs> right? I mean, it's, sorry to pun with the fetch, but it's, but it's real. I mean, it, there, there, it makes a lot of sense that you did this. How did you and your co-founder, Brian, derive the idea? And, and how did you set out to launch Dutch? I believe it was last year, wasn't it? Yep, a year ago. Wow. I, I mean, first of all, me personally, I've spent the last 20 years working at small series a startups and generally speaking i love you know we were talking before the show that one year period where it seems so chaotic yep and for better for worse i've developed uh almost like a masochistic personality where (laughs) i run into that fire and you know with hymns by the time things got kind of got calm and it was ready to scale as a public company it was sort of that clear moment that it's time for me to move on because my sweet spot, what I love to do is that unknown, the creating the universe part. Hmm. And 
I was, uh, and by the way, I was so lucky. I had a chance to ring the the, the bell in the New York Stock Exchange, uh, and and as an immigrant, you know, dream come true. Amazing. But at that moment, yeah. <laughs> at that moment, I again kind of knew that it was time to do something else. And what happened? It was the pandemic. I got a pandemic puppy, like so many millions of Americans. <laughs> and as I was dealing with all the issues of going to the vet, the expense of the vet, I realized, wait a minute, I was just part of changing the legal landscape of telemedicine, creating this billion dollar brand, and nothing like that existed on the pet side. I mean, nothing. And so I felt like, okay, let's do this again. Um, and, and I get to do it again with a lot of the lessons learned from hymns of what worked, what didn't work. Um, but I get to do it in a slightly different space and I get to do it my way. So that's exciting. Well, and you, 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 were, you were already hinting at uh, one of my follow-up questions. What was the biggest lesson you learned from hymns that you wanted to apply? And what, what have you learned that you wanted to ensure to avoid with Dutch? With hymns, and again, so, so many wonderful lessons, but we made a commitment to brand and we invested in brand. And the fact is that brand can't happen overnight. And you can't do brand cheap because people are gonna smell that a mile away. So if you're gonna commit to brand, you need to commit to creating um, beautiful experiences. And on top of it, by the way, you know, unlike you know, selling socks, we're selling healthcare. We're selling a medicine that you know goes into your own body or you know, your pet, someone you love. So your brand needs to exude high quality, needs to exude trust. And that doesn't happen when you're doing it on the cheap. And a lot of times in Silicon Valley, there's a mantra to, of course, test and iterate and do things on a low budget, but brand, that's a mistake to do that on the brand side. And then I think, um, the differences are with hymns, uh, I guess, to your question of like, maybe what, what not to do or what are the differences? And it was when we launched Dutch, the idea is there are so many categories and issues that pets have that we didn't want to be known as the ED brand. Yeah. So we, I wanted to make sure that the brand, and, and, and we'll hopefully talk about it later, um, can feel like it can transcend into so many different categories and conditions and experiences and not be cornered um, into something specific. And when you think about hymns, hymns uh, is very gender specific. So we later had to launch hers. And so, again, I wanted to have a brand that can grow into lots of different areas later on. Areas which you can't even define yet. Right. And that's the thing. That's, it's like, that's it, right. yeah. And, and that's, and that's always, and, and, and I mean, we can jump right into that conversation about naming because, um, you know, obviously branding is super important to you and clearly so is naming. Um, and, and hymns, before hymns even became hymns, 
you went through several names, I heard, <laughs> before you actually yeah. hired an expert and said, let's actually do this the right way. And interestingly enough, the, the, the right way was very right for the time being, because I'm sure that the hymns, the name change to hymns at the time really set you up into that we are a niche and we're focused on you, the guy, right? And 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 finally, someone's yeah. here for you. Um, but then five years later, you're wondering, wait a minute, like, you know, like now we actually have to create other brands because it is so very descriptive. Totally. And, and I think that's, a, by the way, uh, a lesson learned as an entrepreneur to keep pushing your, myself to think big. You have to think big, bigger than you ever imagined. And that's a, an insight I learned coming out of hymns is you have to think big. And like you said, you have to think about things that you may not even be thinking about or exist today, but you've got to create a space for that. And you constantly, constantly have to push yourself to be thinking big and it's easy to get tactical and to think small. And there are so many, you know, so many problems as a founder, you're dealing with minute by minute, but you have to, as an entrepreneur, as the CEO, you have to force yourself to be thinking of the big picture. Yeah, absolutely. I just got off a phone call with my patent attorney who's like, oh, and would you like to file a patent in all other 123 countries? Right. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, right. God, totally. there, there goes totally. this, right? But um, let, let's, let's, talk about, let's talk about the Dutch name then. Uh, th tell us about the name. How, how, how did it come about? There's a, there's a, a couple, you know, and again, having been part of developing hymns, uh, it's, a, you know, there's an art and a science to it. So I, I wanted a couple of things that were important to me as a brand. I wanted the brand to be easily spelled. One of the things when we were developing hymns and, and once in the early days of hymns, people were spelling it as a, like a church hymn, H-Y-M-N-S. Huh. So it was often misspelled. So I wanted a name that was not that easy to spell incorrectly. Then I wanted a name with a hard ending because, again, I want the brand to exude uh, author authority and, and convey trust. And so I wanted this sort of a hard ending at the end. And then on the other side, um, the name snuck into our heads because it's kind of a random story. We <laughs> had been addicted to, to the last season of this last season of the crown. <laughs> and, uh, we learned my wife and I, that princess Diana's nickname growing up was Dutch. So it was sort of, uh, uh, in, like something we didn't know. And so that's kind of how the name first came into our head. And then. I think this is like the most, uh, I don't know if entrepreneurs really talk about this a lot, but it's finding the URL and the URL Dutch.com <laughs> was available. How was, how was Dutch.com a bit? I mean, what are we talking? How many figures are we talking? It wasn't, it was low six figures. Okay. Uh, okay. I, it was, and, and again, so I mean, I'll tell you something. So we, hymns, it's, it's actually the URL is for hymns.com. But we had tried desperately to buy hymns.com. So I sort of, there's a whole 
underworld of domain ownership and getting a domain. And uh, we even um, showed up with a pile of cash at <laughs> the, the house of the guy who owns hymns.com. That's awesome. So there's, you know, I definitely lived through the underbelly of getting the desired domain. Um, so that was, you know, again, another experience from hymns. But here, um, yeah, it was it, like this miracle that this domain was abandoned and the person, you know, wasn't really going to make anything with it and he was willing to sell it. And, and, I, and I got it so early before there was any press around fundraising or who I am, like none of that. So that's kind of like, because the moment yeah, that yeah. they smell any money then the price will go up into the millions. Exactly. Yeah, that's why what I always always um always tell uh the founders that I work with if if we want to get a domain it's like no like let's have let's have some, you know, like junior person that I know off of her Gmail address ask for it. <laughs> you know, it's like let's not, yeah. you know. Um but but I mean, you went you went down a complete different kind of hole. I, I could just imagine it's like here here are the founders of a D two C erectile dysfunction you know known for a company <laughs> with a bunch of cash in front of your house. What could possibly go oh wrong? <laughs> you're like, yeah, I don't want to go back there. Uh, it all ended really really well, but you're like, yeah, maybe not. Maybe that's uh, so. <laughs> so I, I know. I, I mean, I look. We're we're ten minutes, eleven minutes into our conversation. I don't think. In in the in the eighty plus shows that I had, um, I never had an entrepreneur talk so much about branding, even in the first ten minutes. So obviously, this is super important to you. With 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 the Dutch name, how do you go about brand storytelling? Like people must ask, why Dutch? Right? Like, what is the connection with with the animals? What is the connection with what you do? How do you tell that story when you're when you're asked? Like right now. I, I think one of the things we, you know, it goes back to what is the, at, at the heart of it all. And I hired an agency, Red Antler, which I, I think is yep. one of the best um, branding agencies out there. And again, it goes back to, if you're going to do brand, make sure you surround yourself with amazing people, amazing photographers um, who are going to build this beautiful brand. But the first the very first exercise that we do together is um, figuring out this brand pyramid. And it has, it starts at the bottom of what are the you know messaging pillars that you want? What is the personality of the brand that you want? And then it all ends with what is the one word feeling you want your <laughs> brand to have? Yeah. And yeah. so we spent several months you know, because again, this doesn't just j jump out. And these are somewhat hard topics because you're framing and narrowing down this one thing that is going to exude, your brand's going to exude, which includes the name, but includes brand colors, it includes photography, it includes language. Um, so once you narrow that down, though, from there, everything else can it goes back to center around that word and for us that feeling was relief and relief was really important because 
what we see, and, and this has come true, it's just so wonderful when, when, when things come to life, is that pet parents are, because of this vet shortage that's going on in this country, it can easily take several weeks just to get an appointment. And what may start off as a simple rash and you're being told, oh, just, it's not a big deal. Just wait a couple of weeks and then we'll fit you in. Well, it becomes a big issue. And now you, you know, it's Saturday and you're deciding, should I go to urgent care or, or like, what should I do? Mm -hmm. And so for us, Dutch is this brand where you come and in under an hour, you're going to see a real <laughs> veterinarian over video who's going to walk you through what's going on and prescribe, potentially prescribe a plan of treatment like that hour, whereas you were just waiting weeks just to see someone. And so that is that feeling of relief, like, oh my God, I've, I was about to spend a thousand dollars four hours sitting in urgent care and for a fraction of the price, I actually, someone listened to me and solved my problem. Amazing. So yeah. that's, so that's that feeling of relief that we want Dutch to convey. And so whenever we are, like I said, doing any of our photography, any of our copywriting, that's the one word we're thinking through to make sure is conveyed to the consumer. And then you're, and, and I love that because I would have asked you about what is that one word because that is something that 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 we do here too, and and I think it is so important to have that that compass of like it always has to go back to that right whatever we do whatever we feel mm -hmm. whatever we think with the brand it has to go back to that it's so strong um, to 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 have that singular focus as a company everyone within the company so that the customer can feel that slowly of like oh my god this is this is what. This is what Dutch provides me with. It's it's relief. Um, where I was also heading with that question because I I, th I thought it was interesting um, when you told the story about binge watching the the, the show and and you know Princess Diana mm -hmm. and then Dutch came up and you're like this is this is it. We love that idea. How does like do you tell that story of like Dutch being meaningful in the way of like you being kind of like the outsider doing things differently or like to me that would have been an immediate kind of story or do you just never talk about how the name Dutch was derived and what it stands for and you just kind of say Dutch is now meaningless it has nothing to do with the country it has nothing to do with the Princess Diana story it's just it's now it stands for this within this environment of uh, you know of, of, of the internet and of, of businesses for me so partially you know when you this is to kind of take another step back i think that when you're developing a brand the founder and the ceo is inevitably going to be intertwined into that story into that feeling and you know whether it's you mentioned ceo of everlane like whoever whoever it is those founder personalities i think are inevitably going to be intertwined into that brand story and for me one of my pillars and again i'm it not it's like my personality is fairly cemented is i'm very transparent 
And it's almost more difficult for me to not (laughs) share a story and and keep it kind of corporate, keep it controlled than to be honest and transparent. And those are pillars of our company culture. Those are pillars of what we're doing, you know, how vets are speaking with patients. So that's a very important pillar. So I um, end up telling that story quite often. I think what's interesting is, I think sometimes like talking to the PR team, it's like, there's sometimes like, this is such a weird story. Like <laughs> it makes no sense. It doesn't fit into this neat story. But I think that that's just part of who I am. Like you said, I, I've had a crazy background that, that has, and, and I think whenever, and, and now again, as I've gotten older, as I've seen the underbelly of, of Silicon Valley, you realize no one has that neat picture story that's all put together. And I also just think when you see brands where everything is just like so magically perfect or even magically imperfect, like uh, imperfect, uh, perfectly imperfect. Right, right, right. That, that to me is like my spidey sense goes off. And so one of the things that I want Dutch to be as that I had wanted Dutch to be as a brand is to have this rawness. When I looked at a lot of pet, the pet landscape and the pet branding, there's a lot of pet brands that are cartoony and very Mm -hmm. playful. Mm -hmm. And then there are um, maybe food brands that are just like incredibly aspirational. So that's where like, like I said, perfectly imperfect. Yeah, it's like clinical, so, right? Like comical or clinical. Those are the two categories usually with pets. Yeah. And so for me, I wanted a brand that was, again, someone is coming to us with a rash. Like this is not a cute moment for them. And at this, <laughs> and it's not an elevated moment. Yeah. And so I didn't want to minimize that experience. And also I didn't want the consumer to feel like, we don't understand where they're at. So partially that's where that desire to be raw and authentic. And, yeah. and if you look at our photography, if you look at kind of the the color schemes, it, it kind of conveys that. And that goes back into my personality of just being raw, real and authentic. So I do tell that story. No, and I love that, and I, th- I think that's great. And I, you, you, you make a really good point with, uh, you know, obviously this buzzword in branding and marketing and business of authenticity, right? And now it's spilling over into LinkedIn, which becomes Facebook now. And like, it's a, there's this whole like overglorification of authenticity. But if we get rid of that buzzword and we just say people being real, and and that's what people want. I mean, they really want it. Like consumers want it. They they want they want that 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 you know. And it's just horrible how we brand people always have to make everything a brand in itself. Like the word authenticity is a brand. Transparency is a brand, right? But in reality, it's just like if people are just more normal and themselves and and they just talk like they would to a friend and that's what the brand becomes. And then suddenly you have 
a whole group of friends that has another group of friends. And that's just the beauty when you see these startups just growing organically, to put another buzzword out there, is it's because it's it's like it used to be. There's a good butcher shop in town and people go there because it's word of mouth. They're friendly, they're, you know, they're reasonably priced and they have the most amazing meat. Boom, that's it. It's really, there's not much more to it. <laughs> and so I think that totally. some, sometimes we have totally. to remind ourselves of that, right? Totally. And it doesn't, by the way, I also think there's, it doesn't have to be um, sometimes even a vice can be endearing. So for example, the, uh, I'm Russian and um, there's, uh, you know, sometimes I go to Russian stores and people are incredibly rude. But to me, it's almost like sometimes that's part of the charm, the charm. of the culture. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just like, that's what I go there for. It's to experience that slight rudeness. Or, I mean, now, I guess maybe Queen Elizabeth and we're talking about Diana's, I'm like, you know, there's a certain British culture. Yeah, yeah. It's like, keep a stiff upper lip and uh, be self um uh, you know, make fun of yourself. So yeah, yeah. I, I think it doesn't always have to be this ideal state that you're trying to reach. It could be just whatever you are, but even in doing so, um, that could be endearing as well. I do agree. I do agree. There's uh, every every country has their has their little uh, you know th their little quirks, and and either you embrace them or you just hate them. And and embracing is is always a much much better route because it's in the end at some point you will miss it. And I mean we we talk you talked a little bit about um, about your 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 background. So you left Uzbekistan uh, via a refugee camp in Italy back in the late eighties, right? Yep. Yes. And then and I then did. you you arrived with your parents in the U.S. with like pretty much nothing, right? That's right. That's um, right. And then I read, I believe it was in, in Inc. Magazine, I'm not sure, but I read somewhere that, that, that your father gave you the advice. He said, if you really want to succeed in, in this country, being the US, you have to be an entrepreneur. Was that, was that a pivotal moment for you? Like how much, how much has that experience, um, that, that experience of, of, you know, of, of coming to the, to the U S and in the way and under the circumstances that you did, um, plus your father being someone who, um, always pushed and had that attitude, like how, how much has that shaped you as an, as an entrepreneur today? In, in, in time, I think there's two things, um, because I, I will say my my brother is completely different than me, so I I do think there's nature and nurture involved, but because um, I think I've always been someone who, you know, didn't want to follow the rules or listen to authority or always wanted to color outside the lines, but I do think that experience was so life changing for a couple of reasons. One, and, and it goes back to entrepreneurship having you know having lived in in poverty and have had nothing it's i guess i think it's been easier for me to feel like i have nothing to lose because i've been to that place mm -hmm. i've been to that place where um everything was gone and, and taken away and so it's not so scary for me there are many entrepreneurs who have wealthy parents and failure for them is a much more unfathomable prospect because mm -hmm. they 
think, oh my God, I won't be able to survive if I get to that. But for me, it's like, I was there, I survived. And, and I think that gives me that um, extra ammunition to take on more risk. I think, and then from my dad, it, it sort of, and then further reinforced it of like, the only way to really um, succeed, whether it's financially, but also in creating something new is to take risk. And he was a risk taker. He was he was he was running, I believe, a, a dental office where he wasn't really allowed to do so, right? That was my grandfather. Okay, uh, so it, it runs in the family. <laughs> but yes, he my um, my grandfather uh, uh, ran this practice on the side because, yeah, absolutely, you know, no one could have any sort of private enterprise in the Soviet Union, and and he yeah. still did it. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And I mean, talking about risk taking and, and bringing this back to to hims and, and I'm 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 almost certain to hers as well, the two brands, there was there was a lot of risk taking from the brand side. Yes. And and subsequently yes. it did what most to me, what 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 I believe most great and controversial brands do, it created fans and it also created enemies, right? Where there's love, there's hate. <laughs> yes. How totally. How, how did you how did the brand navigate through that phase of of finding a voice and sticking to it like despite the 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 uproar or what people said or like all the haters like how did you go through this because it's so easy for like me as the brand guy to say this is what you have to do and it's good to have enemies you're going to have fans but it is so mm -hmm. difficult when you're the brand and all you get is like, there's this shit show happening right and left. And you're like, nope, we got to power through because this is how we're going to grow as a brand. Yeah. I, again, I would say, look, to be real, it's never a pleasant experience when people right. are, are hating on you and being mean. It's not something that I'd raise my hand to do. <laughs> um, and no matter what, like it's never, it's never something that doesn't affect you. And, you know, on those days, like I need, you know, I need to go. And what I do is oftentimes just um, run my heart out for 10 miles until I'm just so tired. Mm -hmm. I can't that anymore. I'm, too, I'm more just like, oh, I'm so exhausted. Um, but I think what happens is those moments are shorter and they end up feeling not as painful when then you see the buzz in the conversation. You know, so I think it ends up being that the pluses outweigh the minuses because what you do is you sort of take a step back and you're like, oh my gosh, I've created this beautiful buzzy brand that's having an impact on people's lives and a meaningful impact. And I think um, both brands have been so mission driven, have saved people time and money and changed lives. Mm -hmm. And when you think about that, the hate becomes such more of a, it, it really minimalizes the, you know, the, the negative feelings from that. And then I do think, look, it's at the end of the day, it, like you said, you know, people are, are talking about you, like you're big enough that they hate you. You're important enough that they hate you. Um, because if at least that, that's still like your, 
creating a feeling, you're creating an emotion in someone. I think that's still pretty powerful because yeah. especially in today's world where there are, so, you know, there's so much content, there's so much media, there's so much going on. Um, it's the easiest thing to let something slide and have it not, you know, people pretty much not even caring about it. So the fact that they cared at all one way or the other, I actually think it's still pretty awesome. I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. And I, I've been through this uh, multiple times. And every time I've been through it, I knew that success is on the other side, um, that that is a sign. It's like, oh, <laughs> this actually, people have emotions about what you just said or did or launched or whatever it is. And I love that 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 you first answered the question in a personal way of coping with it rather than what did the brand do? Um, because interestingly enough, out of all of these founders like yourself that are on this on, on, on my show, I, I learned that so many of them are hardcore runners, hardcore bicyclists, a lot of cyclists. Um, because that's the way that you you sweat it out and it's a solo sport and you can think and you can just you can just wear yourself out over tens and tens and tens of miles, right? So it's yep. interesting. I think there's a reason for all of this and it connects and I love when that when when that happens. Um looking back, I mean Dutch has been around now for about a year, as we said. Um and and it had its breakthrough moments. Like, when did you feel with with Dutch? And and feel free to also answer that question with with hymns, or if you feel like it's more appropriate with hymns. Uh, like, what was that one big breakthrough moment? Like, when did you feel like it's it's suddenly like here's a startup, but now it's actually a brand? Like something happened. And what was that something where you just suddenly said, "Okay, we got it." So just. A few months ago, I was on the panel at the uh, National um, Veterinary Conference, thousands of veterinarians, huh. and on a panel, you know, that, uh, one by one, the panelists, uh, um, the questionnaires were saying that they are on our website almost every day. Wow. And I... I was like, really? I don't know that I'm on our website every day. I mean, I check it. You're like, you people are weird. I'm on there like every day. Uh, and um, so I think that was this like aha moment. Like, wow, our moves are being tracked and what we're doing and what we're saying and how we're saying it is being tracked by really people all over the industry that was definitely eye-opening for me as a brand and That's then um, yeah. so that was a big moment recently well um, and, and i'm sure you must have um you know it's different if you're at a panel of of a startup conference where you're most probably all the time and it's your it's your it's your backyard right <laughs> it's like okay let's yeah. talk let's talk founders but suddenly you're kind of like with with the people that in the one hand you disrupt a little bit and you're kind of like the guy who's the outsider and you're sitting there and you don't know what to expect and then you hear that that must be extremely rewarding yeah it is and again it's like you said it's so easy for people to not care or dismiss um, and the fact that this is something that they're, it's on their radar and at this rate, 
then it's like, okay, we are definitely um, hitting something uh, of value here, hitting something that is really important to these people. When what what I find interesting with a with a brand like like Dutch is how do you where how do people find out about you? Is it and and I think this is funny when I say traditional traditional in the sense of social media these days, right? Like, like is it is it is it is it traditionally through like like someone's just forwarding a social media post or they start interacting with you to start finding you, um, which most probably you know social media was huge for for hims is social media super important for dutch or or is the word of mouth and and the actual interaction happening outside of uh, social media it it's less social media i will say that yeah and it's more it's more a combination of word of mouth um a lot of education so one of the areas we've made um pretty significant investment in is seo we have tens of thousands of pieces of content at this point and so oftentimes people find us because they're searching for something fairly specific that has to do with their pet and then the other hook is like i mentioned is the pet owner it it's after hours or it's a weekend and they are trying to solve what is becoming quickly an emergency situation and so as they are frantically on google that's how they find us I it see. could be organic um, it could be that specific term um but that's kind of been our main bread and butter so far and that and that's that's kind of been that hook of how people are finding dutch because they're in the middle of an urgent issue With hymns, it's more passive, right? Because it's like if you've had hair loss, it's not like one day you woke up and you have hair. Like you, it's sort of been happening for a while. Or again, ED, it's not like black and white. Like one day you woke up and yeah. you, you know it's something that happens over time. And so social media is kind of a better medium for that because you you sort of nurture that, you build yep. it up. You, uh, it, it's happening over time. With yeah, here. Um, it's fairly, you know, something's happening um, in that moment and, and then people are trying to get to a vet right away. And so that's how they find Dutch. That's super interesting. And I, I kind of I kind of thought so when I reviewed your social channels, I'm like, hmm, I wonder, you know, like there there is something else behind the scenes. So that that's really interesting. Um, what is uh, talking about how, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're very active in the startup scene. Um, you are branding is very important to you. Um, a lot of a lot of founders say, "Oh, that's you know that that's that's an expense I don't have to make right now. That can wait after after you know like after launch, right?" Um, famously, um, Donald Miller, who's a who's a who's an author, he stated that companies shouldn't even be thinking about branding until they've hit the 50 million revenue mark, um, <laughs> which. I, I, I totally disagree with, but what are your thoughts about, about investing in branding pre-launch or any other piece of, of brand advice that you can share with founders specifically um, as, as, a, as a takeaway? I would say you don't get a second chance to make a first impression. That's number one. And then number two is shit in, shit out. If you create <laughs> a shitty brand, and you have shitty results, um, 
you know, don't expect to have amazing results when you didn't put in the work to create a beautiful branded experience. So I think you're setting yourself up for failure, setting yourself up to have um, false negatives when you, you know, when that's what she did. And, (laughs) you know, I don't know, because I've been in the consumer world for so long, maybe, I, I just don't know, you know, maybe if if I was developing a game and it was just more like numbers driven, I might have a different perspective. I don't know, but I can say in healthcare, in consumer, um, you're just setting yourself up for failure if you're not investing in brand upfront. I could not agree more. Obviously, that's why I do what I do. <laughs> so I think you said yeah. it. You said it really, really, really well. Um, what's What's next for the Dutch brand? Uh, what, what are you What are you excited about in the next six months? Uh, obviously, you you just launched twelve months ago. So the next six months, it's a pretty pretty big. This is an important time. What What's around the corner that you can share with us? There's uh, There's definitely a number of you know. As I mentioned, the idea for Dutch is to grow into a variety of different areas within pet health. And that's kind of the stuff that will be happening in the next three to six months where we're going to launch new categories, launch new verticals, Hmm. launch um, partnerships that make us be a part of the overall integrated kind of 360 pet parent experience both um and sort of expanding from our online experience into the offline experience a little bit so i'm excited about Hmm. kind of growing our tentacles into these additional areas now now you got us curious that's (laughs) that's super (laughs) that's super exciting very very cool um you said something at the very beginning of this show that i want to repeat because i thought it was it was I've, I've never heard someone say it like that. Um, you said that you want to be out there creating the universe. You don't want to get stuck in a company after, you know, after they already had significant growth in a certain place. So um, it seems like you're going to, you're going to keep creating the universe with the Dutch brand that I, I, I can't, I can't wait to to see that and, and, and to follow you along. Where can, where can people follow you uh, personally either or, um, or, or where can they get to know uh, Dutch and start using the services? So best is to go to Dutch.com. Then you can always find us on Instagram, Hello Dutch. And then you can also um, follow me on Jay Spector on Instagram. Although I will say I'm also doing, I probably my, my biggest, my most favorite um, social network is LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah. Cool, so people can connect with you, follow you along. Um, Hey Joe, this was this was so amazing. Really appreciate you uh, diving deep into into branding and and talking about both both of uh, both of the brands, uh, the the big brands that you were you were and are a part of. Uh, really fascinating story. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. Joe Spector of Dutch and Hymns and all the reasons why branding is so very crucial. 
Put shit in, get shit out. <laughs> that explained it rather well. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I have the conversation. And if so, subscribe, rate, and please do share the show. Hitting the Mark is produced by my consultancy, Finian, where we create clarity for brand transformations. This episode was edited by Everett Barton and the Hitting the Mark theme music was written and produced by Happiness One. I will see you next time when we once again will be hitting the mark.